Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Most people think, well, I'm saved by being a good person, or I'm saved, you know, by by what I do. It takes time to start to understand the Word of God, because really, the reason is the subject of the Word of God is God. In fact, that's one of the hardest things to learn about the Bible, that the Bible's not about you. (laughs) The, The Bible is about God, and the subject of God is so vast And God is so very different than we are. Today on Change by Love, we turn to the book of Galatians, one of the earliest books of the New Testament authored by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was dramatically converted by the risen Lord Jesus Christ and in time became a seemingly tireless missionary, church planter, theologian, and Bible writer. Yet there were often problems that arose when he left churches for a while and Galatians addresses false teachers who were adding to the gospel of grace. So let's join Pastor Jim in Galatians chapter 1 in this riveting, direct, and life-changing letter that Apostle Paul wrote to some of the churches he started. Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, not quite 2,000 years ago, after Jesus Christ died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, the early church was beginning to blossom, was founded, the apostles were preaching, particularly Peter was preaching, And in Acts chapter 9 in the New Testament, which is sort of the history of the early church, a very, very angry, young, up-and-coming Jewish rabbi, Pharisee, leader, you know, the guy who had it all together by the name of Saul of Tarsus, met the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Gosh, I can't even talk about that chapter. In a stunning display of the grace of God, this man who, as we will see, hated Christians and Christianity, persecuted Christians and Christianity, but Jesus said, why are you persecuting me when he met him, was saved by the grace of God. In time, not overnight, this gentleman, who would be then be known as the Apostle Paul, the great writer of the new, most of the new books of the New Testament explaining what <laughs> Jesus was all about tirelessly. I mean, this dude was a beast. <laughs> he tirelessly traveled throughout the Roman Empire, planting churches, no massive communication system, terrible you know, travel conditions, None of the comforts that we have, getting beaten up, getting shipwrecked, getting bit by snakes, getting getting stoned and dragged out of the city, thought for dead, getting arrested, getting whipped, all kinds of stuff. The dude was a beast. (laughs) And he tirelessly traveled throughout the Roman Empire, um, starting churches, what we call planting churches, and you can read about it. In the, in the book of Acts, go chapter 9 and then just start reading from there if you want to know about him, but it's a great read, the whole book. He would go into areas where he knew no one 
and he would trust the Holy Spirit that he would, uh, the Holy Spirit would raise up churches of people to worship the risen Savior King as he simply just taught the Word of God. And as you might know, and many of you have experienced, it takes some time to understand what it means that you are saved by grace because most people think, well, I'm saved by being a good person or I'm saved you know, by, by what I do. It takes time to start to understand the Word of God because really the reason is the subject of the Word of God is God. In fact, that's one of the hardest things to learn about the Bible, that the Bible's not about you. The, the Bible is about God, and the subject of God is so vast, and God is so very different than we are. Now, what the apostle would do is after he planted a church and he would raise up or appoint leaders over the church in the area, he would leave the area and then he'd come back later on and he'd come back later on. And so he'd just kind of doing the rounds around the Roman Empire. But one of the things that happened a lot of times was after he would leave, false teachers would be right behind him and false prophets and other people would be raised up in the congregation who would start teaching wrong things. And this still happens in the world today. You hear from a lot of missionaries. They'll say, you know, we went, we planted a church in China. It was going really well. We moved to another province, uh, you know, a few hundred miles away. We came back two years later and all these cultists are there or, or these, these false teachers are there and you know, often taking advantage of the people. So in order to combat the false teaching, remember, difficult travel. So you're 200 miles away starting a new church, and word comes to you that false teachers are in the church that you just started, uh, you know, last year. In order to combat the false teaching and the false teachers in these churches, the Apostle Paul wrote letters to the churches to iron out what was going on, whether it was theological or whether it was behavioral things that were going on, as I often say, you know, telling the people how to play nice in the sandbox. Now, Bible students, it's very important to understand this about the Apostle Paul. He is what we call a task theologian, a task theologian, which, which means that when there's a problem in a church, he would right, and his task was to fix the problem. That's why a lot of times we have these large books called Systematic Theology, where people put pieces of the Bible together, and they're just like, why didn't Paul just write it that way? Because that's not what he was. He was not a systematic theologian. He was a task theologian trying to correct the situations in the churches until he would come back through, until he would return, and then he could hopefully fix it up better. Now, most people think that the Apostle Paul was saved, met the risen Christ in Acts 9, somewhere around mid-30 BC, 35 BC, something like that, all depends upon where we date Jesus' death, a couple years after Jesus rose from the dead. So let's just put it that way. Most people now believe that Galatians was probably written around 49 or 50 BC, after Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, for years, there were people that thought it was as late as 60, but that's only a 10-year difference, maybe after his third missionary journey. He, if you have a Bible in the back, look at the maps. In fact, I'm glad I just thought of that. 
don't read Acts without maps, okay? You have to have maps and you have to follow along with, with where he's going or you're going to be very confused and you just see the genius of the routes. You're like, this guy really knew what he was doing. Brilliant, brilliant man. But at any point, let's just say if he was saved in the mid-30s and he wrote in 50 uh, AD, I'm sorry, not BC, AD, and then, and so let's say he wrote then, he had been a Christian for 14 years, 15 years. So sometimes people think, well, you know, I don't know everything right away. Well, that's, that's it. It's going to take you time. And here you had a guy who knew the Old Testament, probably had large portions of it memorized, but he had to understand what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. In the book of Galatians, he's correcting a group of people who were basically following him around saying that, yes, we are, we, we're with Paul in the sense that you are, you're saved by trusting Jesus Christ by faith, that is the gospel, but you need to add something to it. So it was Jesus plus, once you add or subtract, you lose the gospel. It's gone. It's Christ and Christ alone. And for them it was, it was Jesus plus obeying the Old Testament law of Moses. And so the theme of the letter, since we are saved by grace, is that we must live by grace, not by the law of Moses, which as we'll see as we go through the letter, by the way, we all constantly fail. Now, it's very interesting. We just celebrated the uh, Protestant Reformation, and it was the book of Galatians that rocked Martin Luther's world. I mean, he read it, and he was like, oh, my goodness. He was a Catholic priest, and he was like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is what, we're, what we're teaching people is not right, not according to what the apostles said. And so he wasn't really, a lot of people think he tried to start a big fight. He just really, you know, wanted to have a lecture series or debates and, and talk about the stuff. And everything went crazy after that. And, and, but this was the book that really started it all. He sort of called it the wife of the Bible for him. He likened it to his own wife that he loved it that much. In, in the book of Galatians or the letter, the apostle Paul writes to defend the doctrine of justification by faith uh, received by grace alone. So this is, this is no small point. If this is his first letter, this is foundational. Uh, again, historically, put the Reformation, it is historical letter. It, it is a pivotal point in various points of Christianity. So who are the Galatians? Sounds like Battlestar Galactica or something like that. Who are, who are the Galatians? Well, Galatia was a region it wasn't a city, and there was a, a, a northern Galatian and southern Galatian, it, Galatia, and it was uh, what is today part of Turkey, and it is part, was part of the Roman Empire. Now, the people up north were often called the Gauls. You ever heard of the Gauls? And you'd be like, you got a lot of Gaul. Well, they were, the, they were the Gauls, and they were barbarians from northwest Europe, from the British Isles, and the northern theory, which probably stood for a lot of years, not so much now, said that he was writing to these people. Those of you who are Irish, anybody here Irish besides me? Okay, all right, well, just you'll be happy to know that the, the, this riffraff in, in Gaul, they're your peeps. <laughs> and some of you are like, yeah, I like that. And they, they fled Ireland because of all the problems they were causing, these barbarians with the Roman Empire, so they went to another place. 
Most Bible scholars now, though, think that uh, the Apostle Paul was writing these letters to the churches in the southern area, and these cities will be familiar to you if you've read the book of Acts, Antioch, Iconium, uh, Lystra, and Derbe. After his first missionary journey, you can just write, you know, if you're taking notes, see Acts 13 and 14. So, that's all. We could go for a lot of history, but we'll never get anywhere tonight. We may never get anywhere anyway, but uh, this is, this is uh, Galatians 1.1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So right away, he's already talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. And all the brethren who are with me, he traveled with a lot of guys. He always had guys with him and he dispatched them to the various cities. He was sort of like this, this great administrative delegator to the churches of Galatia. Now, this is something interesting, just that statement right there to the churches of Galatia. When the apostles wrote, they wrote letters to congregations. Those of us who were raised Catholic, remember, we get a letter from the bishop. You know, they're like, oh, we have a letter from the bishop. And I'd watch my dad go to my mother, watch your wallet, here it comes. <laughs> so, but, but it would be, it would be these, these, these letters would come to the congregations. And what does that tell us? The apostles felt that the people in the congregation had the ability to understand what they were saying. Maybe not all of it. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But it wasn't like you need some super interpreter to, to figure all of this out for you. The gospel is very simple. People argue about all kinds of stuff about theology, but the simplicity of the gospel is pretty much universal among people who study the word of God. And so they thought, listen, we can write to these people. They'll figure it out. Now, there's some people that are a little better at understanding things or people that have you know, gifts of teaching and, and stuff like that and explaining things, but they wrote to the churches of, here. This is to the churches of Galatia. So typical of the day, verse one, he says, Paul, he puts his name on it. You know, they had to write in scrolls. So what could be more obnoxious than, you know, how we get letters and if it's not signed, if we, there's no, no address on the outside, we just go to the end to see who wrote it. And, uh, or, you know, now it's email and, and stuff like that. But, you know, they have these scrolls and so you don't have to go all the way down to the bottom. So they would, they would start with putting their name first. And then usually he would say really um, some note of thanksgiving for the people in the congregation. But he doesn't do that at all here. No, this is a combative letter. Right out of the box, we're going to see he takes the gloves off and he lists his authority. His authority is in question. These guys who are coming in after him, uh, J.B. Phillips calls them the uninvited sham brothers. The uninvited sham brothers are coming in right after him and they are discrediting him as an apostle. So he says, I am an apostle appointed by God. And I think with this sense of urgency in this letter, he is just pointing out to us how very dangerous false teaching is, how very dangerous false teaching is to the souls of people, to the eternal destinies of people, and the way people actually relate to God. And so these people are usually called the Judaizers or the people of the circumcision. Uh, I said, you know, Phillips calls them the uninvited sham brothers. Other people call them the shadow apostles, but they are agents of Satan. They are trying to, to pollute the purity of the gospel. Now, so he says, I am an apostle. What is an apostle? To be an apostle means to be a sent one. 
It means to be a messenger. It was often a term that was used of ships that were going out on a mission for the government or for the king. So he says, I am a messenger of the king. Now, the apostles in the first century church, I know a lot of people call themselves apostles today. There's just, it's just not the same. So can we have an apostolic ministry in going out and proclaiming the word of God with boldness and passion? Of course we can. Should we call ourselves apostles? No, the apostles, they saw the risen Christ. I don't know too many around today who've seen the risen Christ. Some lie that they say they do, and then you hear what comes, the drivel that comes out of their mouth next. They're like, yes, Jesus was bummed out, so he called me up to heaven to counsel him. I was like, oh, okay, yes. Um, Ooh, call nine one one. So um, and so so they were. He's he's saying that he's an apostle, an authorized representative of the king. Now, why did people call his apostleship into question? Well, he wasn't like Peter and the other apostles. They traveled. You'll see as we're going through Matthew's gospel on Sundays, and we'll come back to it in a couple of weeks. Is you're, we're seeing the names of the apostles, and you're not seeing Paul there. He was not part of the traveling crowd. He didn't meet the risen Christ until after uh, he ascended into heaven and he was already, the church was already up and going. So he was not like them. And so that's why they often called his apostleship into question. And he says to them, listen, I'm not afraid to talk about that. My call came from God himself and he's going to spend a lot of chapter one and two unpacking what that was like. And I know some of you, while you don't call yourself apostles, but you've experienced that. I know it because you've, you've said it to me, even though you might not word it the way I'm saying it. You talk to people about Jesus and they're like, the heck gives you the right to talk to me like that? What do you mean I'm a sinner? I mean, who do you think you are? What do you mean I have to believe in this Jesus to, to, to go to heaven? You know, I'm reporting you to personnel. This is harassment, right? And so, like, you know, you ruin every family dinner we have. Like, every barbecue, people are going to stop inviting you. And you're like, they already have. And, and so, and so you're, they're like, well, who, who authorized you to say such things? And the Apostle Paul is saying, my authorization, my call came from God itself. And essentially, that is the first event for every Christian is they have to hear the call of God to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes it's nice and, you know, just think, oh, yeah, I heard and I believed, or I rose up and, you know, I was raised in the faith and, you know, I I came to believe and stuff like that. Sometimes you're like the Apostle Paul and you just get knocked on your derriere, right? And, And some of us are that stubborn. That would be me. And so you, I mean, the Lord's like smacks you down and he's like, come on, now you believe? Hello, and so, so that's where how it starts. And so now he's saying, I'm an apostle, I'm called by God, but there's other things as we're gonna see that go along with that. It's important for anyone who goes out as an authorized representative of God or someone who claims to have a church office to meet and to be affirmed by the qualifications that are in 1 Timothy 3 and are in Titus. And, and so... Now you say, well, the Apostle Paul wrote that, but he's going to make some some logical cases for his calling. Many people run without being sent, but a true minister of the gospel doesn't do that, doesn't do that. 
A true minister of the gospel doesn't get all mad and angry and bent out of shape and say, oh, I'm gonna go take care of that, you know, this. And, and, but would they wait and they wait till the people that where they are uh, affirm them and tell them that they're ready to go. I, I went and I was at a church and I was on staff at a church and I said, I, I'm not going anywhere until you guys sit me down and say, we feel that you meet the qualifications as outlined in the Bible for a pastor and, and, and we feel that you are ready to go. And so the Apostle Paul says, I had that supernatural call. It's just that the qualifications were not written in the Bible yet. My, my call came from the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul's point will be that he is uniquely qualified as an apostle, having seen the risen Christ, he did, he did miracles, and he's being called into the ministry by him. Now, anybody can say they're called. I mean, that's always an argument you have with people. But you don't understand, I'm called, I'm called. And, and part of the way God has set up the church is the leadership in the church is supposed to be given the spiritual eyes to recognize uh, the calling of, of people. And, and so uh, the apostle Paul had men with him that he believed that, that were called to it but he's very clear, he had a different calling. So his calling was different than the men that traveled with him. He had a specific calling. He was a Bible writer. He was a church planter. That's, it's not, that's, what, that, that's what I did, I planted a church. But, but I had started several businesses, and not that they're the same, but it certainly helps to understand systems and structures. Because if you don't understand systems and structures, everybody's like, this place is so disorganized. <laughs> and, so, and so he was a church planter. He was an administrative genius. I mean, he knew how to get things done. He, was, you know, he, he knew when to push through the wall without, without waiting for a door. But he also knew when to back off and to wait to see what the Lord would do. And he was gifted beyond gifted. He was in, it was intimidating how gifted this man was in the word of God. So verse three, he gives the characteristic greeting, which is really the summary of the benefits of the gospel. He says, grace to you and peace, always in that order. It's always grace first, then peace from God the Father and our, and he breaks it out. He breaks out the whole name of Jesus right out of the box, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four, what does he tell us about him? Who gave himself for our sins. The idea is of substitution. He died himself for our sins instead of us. When you're talking to people, you say, well, can you tell me something about Jesus? Most people are gonna say to you, he died on the cross for our sins. Say to them, okay, that's great. What does that mean? They go, uh, it means he died on the cross for our sins. Explain to them, he died instead of us. He died instead of you. He died instead of me. And the benefit of that will be applied to you when you put your trust in Jesus Christ instead of yourself. Okay, so who gave himself for our sins, why? That he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God, of, of our God and Father. It was God's plan to whom, 
to God, not man, be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's already done. We're done. Hey, that was pretty quick. We did the whole book. (laughs) So he starts off with this glorious doxology right out of the box, claiming he's an apostle and giving us the gospel right out of the box. He reminds us about grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, Or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.